Welcome to the Shaky Experience. My name is James Richard Lane. Today, September 3rd, 2021, we will be speaking volume with Ian of the Go Team. The Go Team are based in Brighton, England and founded in 2000. The project has released six full-length albums and a handful of singles. The band most recently released their latest album, Get Up Sequence Part 1, with label Memphis Industries on July 2nd, 2021. Their music has been featured in NPR. Rolling Stone, The New York Times, The Guardian, and much more. They've performed Coachella, Lollapalooza, Glastonbury, The Big Day Out, and toured across the world. This band has absolutely done it all. They're incredible, and I cannot explain how grateful and excited I am to have them on. Without further ado, Ian of the Go Team, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's so exciting having you on. I mean, you just released your new album, Get Up Sequence Part 1, and it goes back to that classic Go Team that I've always loved. I've been a fan for over a decade and a half, and one of the reasons why I love your music so much is because it's so different and unique than anything out there. It has kind of this like old school sort of like cartoon, carnival, fun, pop, jammy, just so many elements go into your music. And that's the thing that just really grabs my attention. And I think a lot of other people's attention. Talk to me a little bit about what people can expect from this new album that may have not have heard it before. Oh man. I mean, I'm so close to it that I can't really describe it. I mean, it's basically like my, like my brain on a record, you know what I mean? It's like melting down all of my favorite things. And, you know, I've, I've always genuinely wanted the go team to be about the kind of the good things in life in a kind of quite a, an uncynical in, in a quite a, you know, irony free, sincere kind of a way. Uh, and it, it's quite a hard thing to pull off. You know, I don't want it to be like a kind of a Coke advert or something. You know what I mean? For me, it's, 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 it's a real thing, you know, and it's also almost like it's nothing to do with me in a way. It's almost like something I'm trying to do justice to. And, you know, like I say, it's kind of about, I, I think of it as almost like your life flashing before your eyes and you're kind of, you're picking all of your favourite stuff, you know, and it, you're kind of, um, and it's, it's not so much about, you know, hey, let me sing about my life, even though the songs are kind of more melancholy than you might think. Um, it's more about the things you've loved throughout your life and it could be, you know, it could be a cartoon theme or it could be an Ennio Morricone documentary or it could be, you know, it could be the idea of um, shambolic high school bands or it could be a Sonic Youth concert you went to or it could be My Bloody Valentine or it could be White Noise, it could be Steve Reich, you know, it, I could go on and on. But, you know, yeah, it's 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 kind of like channel hopping through your favourite things is, is kind of what I think of it as, you know. That's so interesting. And what makes you choose those specific elements into your band? Once again, it has that very unique vibe to it. It's so different. And I think a lot of bands do focus more so on this kind of maybe darker, cynical, there can be some irony in it. And you're the exact opposite. What made you decide that? Well, it, you know, I don't set out to make happy music, believe it or not. And I'm not exactly like a TV presenter, a kid's TV presenter I, in my personality. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't actively set out to be, hey, the world's brilliant. Um, that's not my stance at all. It's just kind of some weird thing that I can't shake off. You know, <laughs> I'm into action. I'm into sort of dynamism. I'm into 
violence and and kind of action packed and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's kind of a byproduct. Is this people use the words like euphoria and upbeat and I never use the words happy really. It's always a bit too one dimensional for me. You know, I kind of like that feeling in between, that kind of bittersweet kind of feeling. Um, why has it happened? I don't know. I couldn't really tell you. It's just something I don't particularly equate um, sort of darkness with high art or anything like that. You know, I think I, I kind of I'm actively kicking against the idea that high art has to be tortured or, or something like that. For me, you know, Phil Spector um, being my baby is as good as or better than anything Radiohead would write. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so, um, so that's kind of my take on it. I'm, and it, it does frustrate me how the kind of high art or the, the broadsheets or whatever you want to call it, the cultural um, kind of commentators will, will make that connection. And, and, and if it's not tortured or then it's not worthy or it's not quite heavy heavyweight enough you know what I mean so I'm actively against that way of thinking but at the same time I'm not particularly a pop a pop fetishist either I don't like lots 190% of pop music you know what I mean I'm I don't like Ariana Grande or whatever I don't like any of them really I don't like Bieber <laughs> that, 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 you know what I mean I think I think I'm into this a different idea of pop what pop is you know and I kind of I guess I'm interested in playing with the idea of what pop music is. I definitely can see that within your music. I mean, it certainly does have some pop elements to it, right? Like, of course, some of your more well-known tracks, like, for example, Lady Flash or Huddle Formation, it, it does have a little bit of pop elements or Tornado. And I absolutely love those songs. But at the same time, it also still carries on this level of abstract feel to it as well. Like in a sense of it can go from pop to very noisy. And I mean that in the best way possible. I, I, I love that. You know, I, th I think that that's one of the cool things about your music. And something I noticed within this new album as well is it sticks with that sound. Like, for example, some of the tracks include trumpets some of them include harmonicas and there's a variety of different instruments that are being played within this new album get up sequence part one it captivates the listener it holds your attention for longer because there's so many surprises to the album and it really allows the listener to be surprised with what's going to happen next are, am i going to hear like kind of a folky harmonica song or am I going to hear a marching band coming through this next track? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always ask myself the question, why aren't there more harmonicas on records? You know, why do you never hear a harmonica ever? You know what I mean? Why do you never hear a steel drum? Hardly ever. Why do you not hear recorders? Why don't you ever hear glockenspiel? You know, I, 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 I'm more, I, when we first started out, I was always fr fr frustrated with the enemy kind of bands, you know, the kind of, skinny jean brigade who thought they were really cool and stuff so i kind of wanted to bust out of that and kind of explore what else other sounds were out there you know what i mean um and i'm, I'm naturally drawn 
See, it's almost like my brain, I'm from a noise background. I I grew up on Sonic Youth and MBV and stuff like that. So that's where I was kind of coming from as opposed to like a clubby background, you know. (laughs) It wasn't really that. It was, um, so that was my approach. I was almost trying to, I think the the phrase, you know, Jackson 5 meets Sonic Youth, played by Sonic Youth or something was was a phrase banded around quite a lot in the early days. But that does kind of almost encapsulate the kind of, the the aesthetic behind it you know what i mean it's it's um taking the edge off instruments with distortion and stuff like that so i'm i'm getting pulled in so many different directions at any one moment but at the same time hopefully there's like a unifying go team sound so you know mayday doesn't sound anything like lady flash but you can kind of tell it's the same band you know um Everyone's a VIP, doesn't sound anything like, I don't know, World Remember Me Now, but you can tell it's a go team, you know. So I kind of like that idea. And I, I, I always like bands that you are unique and have a sort of sonic fingerprint. And um, you can tell within five seconds that it's them, you know. So I, th- I think every band should kind of leave a sound behind, you know. In some ways, I also feel like you're telling a story within your albums as well. I've noticed in the trailer of Rolling Blackout, I love that trailer so, so much. Like, I cannot emphasize enough, like, how cool I think it sounds with Tornado just like popping off, like, so hard, so heavy. And then it switches right over to Ready to Go Steady. And it's yeah. just so much fun because it's so many surprises, so much mystery. And kind of also talking about how you mentioned Mayday a moment ago on your album Semicircle, I believe that you did use some steel drums within Mayday. And once again, it just surprises the listener from steel drums to hearing kids tell their astrology sign within <laughs> like the album. Yeah. It's so cool. Like just from pop to yeah. noise. Yeah. I think, I think I think difference between the, the difference between things is what I'm into. You know, I'm into I've, you know, even when I was a student, when I was like 19, I would get like a four-track tape machine and get like herb output. Tijuana brass loops, you know, kind of easy listening kind of stuff, and then put <laughs> feedback over the top of it. So I've, I've always been interested in the difference between things and worlds colliding and stuff like that. And, you know, like bands like Velvet Underground who would flip between a cutesy little Mo Tucker song one minute and then do kind of Sister Ray, some drone thing and stuff. So I'm kind of, they're like a, a blueprint for me in a way, the way that they would flip the size of the songs would kind of flip from second to second and the fidelity and the approach and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, differences and keeping the audience on their toes, you know, what's coming next, like you say, um, but, but messing people with people, um, you know, just like, yeah, like channel hopping race, basically, you know, you're literally jumping from minute to minute, second to second, you know, and um yeah yeah that's that's totally yeah i agree and it also kind of reminds me of sort of like a television like you're just like flipping from channel to channel and like you know you sort of like with your music you could just flip from one minute to the song to the second minute of the song and it could be something else it could be like a car chase scene to you know a a choir who knows like the scene between or something like that Yes, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing because often people talk about the albums being the same and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I, I'm always conf- sort of confused by that because it's like, okay, but who had, you know, 
no one else sounds like it and who has this sort of breadth of influences you know what i mean it's not like interpol where you're you know you're playing the same song over and over you know what i mean it's like it's not as if i'm actually repeating the same sounds over and over so it's, it's kind of a weird one yeah absolutely where did you find yourself mentally physically and emotionally while writing this new record uh well i don't know if you know about um my hearing loss do you know about that no not at all yeah i lost my hearing in my right ear during the making like literally halfway through so i wake up one morning in october 2019 i'd always done i'd I'd done quite a lot of the recording already i was just doing the vocals with ninja and I woke up and my hearing had changed and all the bass had gone. It sort of fluctuated. And sometimes it sounded like a robot, you know, wow. it's unbearable. unbearable. I, you know, first of all, I thought, oh, God, it's my hearing. You know, I'd never wear earplugs when, when we play live. So <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was that had finally caught up with me, but it wasn't. It's this kind of rare thing called many ears, which um, kind of messes with your inner ear. So... Yeah, for a minute there, I thought I wasn't going to be able to listen to music because it was really horrible for a while. It's kind of basically all gone now on this side. So I started the record in stereo and sort of finished it in mono. But the sort of the psychological trauma, you know, being a musician and and this is all I do all day, you know, is listen to stuff. And yeah, so it was kind of weird to be on on, on a real downer, but listening to this kind of upbeat music, it was kind of quite cruel almost. <laughs> but um <laughs> But I, th- I think generally think the kind of the process kind of helped and it kind of gave the music more of a heavyweight kind of um, useful, genuinely useful kind of dimension to me, you know, where it wasn't, you know, it's not just pop music, but it was actually helping kind of, you know, um, sort of mental states and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was, that was what happened in this one. So, you know, uh, but the thing is I, I kind of, I think you shouldn't, you know, people are sort of surprised that it doesn't sound, why can't we hear that in the music? But it's like, A, how am I supposed to or write a song about hearing loss or something? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, totally. Um, that, why, you know, and, and you know, and I, I'm a great believer in just kind of keeping on doing what you do and don't let anything sort of get in the way, really, you know, so that's that's more what you're hearing, you know. I love that. That's kind of like almost a stoic vibe right there. Yeah, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. I wasn't aware of your hearing loss, but I guess if anything, I mean, it sounds like it's sort of making the band stronger because now you have an obstacle in the way, sort of, but you're making the best of it and it'll perhaps even create like new dynamics and new inspiration from it. Who knows? I mean, that's... It's kind of wild. I haven't played live since we haven't played live since it happened. So that's a bit of an unknown. It it kind of makes you a bit dizzy and stuff like that. So it might be. Oh, yeah. I could imagine. Yeah. I I was curious, like what that would be like performing live. Do you still plan on performing live with the band? And yeah, will there be a tour after the pandemic as well? Yes. Well, next year at some point, but we've, we've got some new babies in the group now. Like Ninja's had two, he's having two babies. Oh, wow. Is having another baby, <laughs> so, so I think it would have naturally been quite a quiet time for us. But um, but yeah, I certainly want to keep thrashing. You know, but that's what I look forward to is jumping around on stage. You know, that's what it's all about. That's exciting. Yeah. What's your favorite track on the new album? I like "Be Without Sting" as a as a kind of just a piece of kind of classic songwriting. You know, uh, you know, some in the tradition of Jackson Five or something. Or yeah, you know, I. I 
I think it's quite hard to pull off the genuinely sort of funky, authentic sounding soul song. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that one gets pretty close. You know, um, and it's it's a rare right. It's a rare song because. I normally write songs in parts, you know, so I'll grab a part from here and, and sort of stick them together until it kind of works. But this, that one kind of flowed as a song, you know, I think it was actually written as, as a complete thing, um, which is quite unusual. I normally, I'm a great believer in ideas having like six ideas, sorry, songs having six ideas in them or something like that, you know, to keep those, those left turns coming. And, you know, because my big beef with like hip hop, lots of it is that, you know, it's, it's normally one idea kind of repeated, you know what I mean? So I kind of like music to be denser and a bit more journey-ish than, than that. <laughs> yeah. um, Once again, going back to the storytelling, just like going on like a really abstract, fun journey. And that's definitely something that I've noticed within your music. It's fun because even on the new album, a few of my personal favorites are Let the Seasons Work, Pow, and of course freedom now i i I feel i feel like freedom now is the album cover like just the sound of freedom now how the waves of the album cover go i can just like picture watching like a music video for like 20 30 minutes with freedom now just being played and the album cover just spinning back and forth the waves (laughs) yeah I, i kind of um I think that's it's quite my my Billy Valentine that one as well, isn't it? It's kind of got this um, few different a few different worlds colliding in there. It's kind of got this sixty psych thing, but but an MBV kind of thing going, and then it has this the civil rights chant at the end and stuff. So it, yeah, I've I've made some trailers to that where it's just like just images <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> so yeah, I like I like little songs like that just to kind of throw people off guard. And it kind of it kind of came about from a um I won't tell you which song but I whenever I kind of gather samples I often routinely uh, re- uh, reverse them just to see if there's an, anything strange happens when oh. I reverse them. so then I reverse this song and it's sounding quite weird wow 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 you know kind of yeah vocal backwards vocal thing and then i cut it up and put different chords over the top and it kind of made this quite trippy little song yeah seriously what critics are saying your album sounds similar you're freaking like taking the songs and playing them backwards like (laughs) (laughs) oh man i i love that i've actually never heard of that before but that's that's pretty cool so the album name is get up sequence part one so i guess that indicates that there's going to be a part two can we expect Mm -hmm. A part two uh, next year, or what does that timeline sort of look like? That's the plan. I'm, I mean, I normally take three or four years to make an album, so I've really got to get a mouse into gear for next year. But, but that's the plan. Yeah, it's sort of autumn next year is is the the goal to have it ready for, and that's kind of what I'm doing all day. You know, I've got a, lot, a few songs that were overhanging from the last one, and I, I my my process for songwriting is just to listen to records all day, like literally all day, thousands of them, hundreds of them next 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 and i will just go through a genre so i'll I'll be in bollywood for a week or something like that you know um (laughs) and that process will kind of limber up my brain and i'll stop a song and i think hang on i'd have written that so i sing into my phone and i hold these little samples and the the good kind of rises to the top and i remember it and i think okay that's the start of a song and then i'll grab other bits and stick it next to it until it kind of feels like a song so that's kind of where i'm at at the minute 
and I've got I've got quite a few goers already. You know, I haven't begin begun to start recording it yet, but um, I'm basically I'm basically a hoarder. You know, I kind of collect ideas, and I have this document on my computer with like two hours of drum samples on it and stuff like that, you know, and, and arranged arranged into like chords and break beats and all sorts of stuff. But um, oh yeah, but yeah, it's, it's quite a lot of admin kind of involved. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> That's so funny because I I do understand what you mean as a musician. I mean, you have just endless and endless material and then you're like, oh, where's that one lyric I wrote? Or where's like that one sample that I had? And just yeah. kind of like searching through the library, the glossary or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to do with just sort of spotting the good stuff, really. You know, you can and it I'm I'm waiting for that moment when something kind of pricks my ears up and it kind of jumps out, you know. Um and that, that's a kind of an art in itself is kind of is combing through seeing the, seeing what the good stuff you know out of the sea of mediocrity you know i probably only use i lose like one percent of everything i write probably okay more, probably, wow. less, probably less i could probably go for a month and not come up with anything good you know so i'm not a, a kind of a, a musical genius or anything you know i can't just knock out a song i have to kind of put the hours in and really yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Lastly, for the new album, can we expect any B-sides, covers, collaborations, or music videos? Um, there's been a few music videos already off this record. I don't think there's going to be any more songs from this record. There was a B-side called um, Free Breakfast Program, which is on the, <laughs> the B-side to Cookie Scene. Yeah. yeah. That's quite a neat little song. Oh, like, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I did yeah. that one. A song you probably have there's a few songs on the Japanese uh, edition actually you probably haven't heard. One's called um Look Outside and New Year's Coming. It was a, for a Christmas record. That's quite a catchy little sort of psych pop um song about the hope of a new year, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a few bits and pieces out there you might not have heard. Okay, cool. I'll definitely check that out. All right, Ian, let's dive a little bit into the band's history. So for starters, I want to say, I think I originally discovered your band through a car commercial when I was in high school. And I remember the track Huddle Formation was the track that was played in that commercial. And I loved it so much. Like it just absolutely grabbed my attention. And I was like, this is like my next band that I want to like listen to <laughs> obsessively and I set it as my ringtone one time I was in a library I heard my phone go off I pulled it out to try to silence it but it wasn't my phone ringing and I Ooh. swear to you this is a true story the girl sitting right across from me had the exact same ringtone huddle formation by the go team Oh, <laughs> it was. Did you speak to her? Did you speak to her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We ended up going on a date afterwards. <laughs> the go team broke the ice for me. <laughs> oh, nice, smooth. Yeah, it was. It was so great, and that's kind of like my intro to how I got to know your band and just fell in love since. You know. Um. Yeah. So I was curious. How did this band get started? I kind of did a little bit of research, but wasn't able to find like a really depth dive of sort of how the band formed. And what what does that kind of look like with you recruiting the members and being the songwriter? If you could kind of give a little bit of that story. Well, you know, I used to work into TV documentaries. So I'd, I'd go off and 
around the world, making things for the Discovery Channel about mummies and bog bodies and NASA missions and stuff like that. But um, when I come home from work, I would like fire up my sampler and make these little songs and four tracks, cassettes and stuff like that and hoard these ideas or have a bags and bags full of ideas and stuff. And eventually I made an EP. Then they proposed I write an album. I do an album again, which didn't even occur to me to do it. And then I signed to Memphis Industries and then they... So every stage was kind of getting, I was getting braver and braver and thinking, hang on, I could re- actually might be able to do this. And then I made the album that went out and then that started getting interest amongst the sort of hipsters and stuff and pitchfork and stuff. But I didn't have an, I didn't have a band, you know, I was just kind of pleasing myself really. I, like I said, I was just kind of trying to make, put music, which I wish, wished existed really, you know, things that were always making the band. Yeah. That's kind of satisfied all, all of the stuff I'm into, you know. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's when songs like Lady Flash and Bottle Rocket and Huddle Formation and stuff just kind of get it together was the first song I, I thought sounded like, OK, this is this is what my band's going to be like. You know, it was it was kind of quite schizo and recorders and break beats and with a bit of kind of Sonic Youth harmonica, harmonics and country-ish and stuff. So that was like the blueprint for going forward. And then, you know, the record started doing sort of taking off and getting a bit of hype around it and stuff like that. And then the major labels got involved and stuff. So we got an offer to play a festival in Sweden and it was literally in sort of five weeks time or something. So I had literally weeks to get a band together. (laughs) (laughs) The people that joined, you know, Ninja was someone who answered an ad for a rapper and Jamie was lived on the road next to me and sam was on the same label so it's different stories for each person and the lineups changed a bit over the years and stuff but yeah so we just got just got better when we first started out in sweden we weren't particularly very good we were shambolic and we were all over the place and but as we kept going we'd kind of get more action packed and jump around more and it was just a messy and you know so that was, that's kind of how it happened was and then we'd go to South by Southwest and there'd be like queues around the block for us and stuff. So we were genuinely one of the sort of buzziest bands in the world for a minute there, you know, when, when in the, in the years of the, um, the bloggy, you know, the blog bands, you know, where the, you know, there would be lots of hype around three bands. And that's funny how you say in your early phases during your time playing that festival in Sweden, how it was sort of like all over the place. And it kind of reminds me going back to what you mentioned earlier, sort of the influence of a band like Sonic Youth, right? Like they are a band that come with like screeching guitars and like intense drums and just there's so much going into it. And yet they, they sound great at the same time. Like I, it's, it's kind yeah. of hard to place your finger on it. Yeah. I think chaos and imperfection was built into the sound, you know, it was a crucial part of it. And I think the, the there's, there's things, there's things we did in the recording where we'd put things onto VHS or onto cassette or slam it onto tape. So it was getting the red, you know, or put things through a distortion unit and stuff like that. So we were actively making it sound worse in a way, you know, sometimes I'd get emails from people saying my, my CD is broken or something. It sounds all distorted and stuff, you know, <laughs> whereas the aesthetic was like messy, technicolor, maximalism, you know, things like this. Yeah. The, the, the chaos of it, is quite a key thing you know we're not 
slickly produced or anything, even though this album is probably more slick than, you know, the early days comparatively. But, you know, it's also interesting to me because I'd imagine during your early phases as a band, you probably still had a pretty dedicated fan base. Like when I think of the Go team, I also think about the fans as well and how I imagine they really like to take part of your show and like dress up and maybe there's like sort of like a theme that goes in (laughs) to the audience members or sort of like the setup and stuff like that what is one of the craziest themes that you've seen fans dress as or even you as the band dressing as like what what's like a style that you guys have come out i don't know i don't know much about our audience to be honest i mean they've changed over the years and we've we've kind of settled into being a cult band you know yeah Um, whether we like it or not you know there's pockets of people who kind of get it and stuff so we're not particularly a big band particularly you know but we are i think people that are into us are kind of are really into us you know um and who is an audience i don't know who i don't even know who they are i mean i don't know in in the uk we kind of get all sorts we kind of get old punks and northern soul fans and mods and teenage girls and office girls you know so I don't, I don't really know who we are. Who we are. Um, I mean, we don't. It's not exactly like Flaming Lips, where people, the audience, are like, you know, dressing up and stuff like that. We, I think we're a bit more conventional in a way. But you know, one of our, one of my favourite memories was when we um, played the Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago, and there was it was in like a, a park in Chicago, in a quite a sort of downtown neighbourhood, and we asked some of the kids that were just playing in the park anyway these kind of black kids to come and ju- come up on stage with us and like get down for lady flash. And it was like, yeah. a real, it was like a real moment in my life. You know, there was, if you imagine like 20 kids all just kind of throwing moves and stuff. Yeah. So it was like that's so good. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Do you think they did a pretty good job? How, how did it go? It was, it was amazing. Yeah. It's a real <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Where do the song titles and album titles and maybe even the name of the band, where where do the titles come from? Hearing your story, sort of how you were involved in documentaries and mummies, I'm sure that was an experience within itself. And I'd imagine that maybe you could depict some material out of that, just thinking back to your past. But more on a presently, would you say that you get your titles from somewhere specific? Uh, specifically, things like this. This is a, a notebook I've got, and it's actually got. So this is my drawer beside my desk where I, you know, write songs and stuff. But it's got all sorts of, like I've got words like the power is on in here and feel good by numbers. So there's there's all sorts of go team titles dotted through these things. There's one page which is yeah. There's the power is on written there. So that this is from. That's, it's 1993 <laughs> but yeah I, I basically in the same way that i collect samples and melody ideas I, i'm a hoarder of slogans and phrases and stuff like that so not I, I kind of put it in my phone but i i recently went swimming and managed to go have my phone in my pocket so i lost loads oh. of slogans uh, all these go team songs that have gone to waste <laughs> no all these slogans and stuff. it's the same when, when i'm doing l- lyrics and stuff often i'll raid books like this for like these cool little slogans and stuff yeah 
Okay. So there's, a page, there's a page with the go team written on it. That's the first. <laughs> I love that so much. That is so cool that you're showing me this. It's what, what a treat, honestly. Like I know for some artists, including myself, I actually find myself coming up with the title of the song before I even write the song or the guitar riff or anything like that. Yeah, and I really do that. No, it's normally the last thing I do. Yeah. Even, I'm, I really struggle over album titles as well. There's fake ID written there. That's off the second album. Yeah. <laughs> I like the little drawings in there too. I, I feel like it goes well with the with the theme. That's pretty mm. great. Do you feel there's a certain message that you're trying to convey to people through your music? I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky one. It's a real balancing act because I don't want it to be boiled down to something as 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 trite as "Hey, isn't the world amazing?" and "Hey, why don't we all get on?" and you know it's i mean really really the message is you know it's it's that it's you know in the same way that mbv wouldn't have a you know you can't undive you can't hear what they're singing about you know it's much more about taking a sound and claiming it isn't it you know and that is almost the message so it's, it's more about that really it's more I guess if there was a kind of a subliminal message, it would be there's lots of stuff out there. You know, there's lots going on. Don't stay in your lane kind of idea, maybe particularly at the beginning. You know, I think it's much more common to be into everything these days. But I think when we started, it was very a bit more sort of tribal and the indie kids versus the ravers kind of thing. I mean, it's almost, it's almost you know, it, to hear somebody, if, if, you, if you ask someone what the question, what music are you into? And then, nine times out of ten they're going to say oh i like a bit of everything which is yeah. it, 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 it is nice but it's also really lame because it's like they're not really that into anything that's like yeah i've, always, I've got this theory this is, this is kind of the generation that likes things rather than loves things you know what i mean totally. almost like almost like the, the heart button on a instagram is almost the defining yeah yeah i because they, they like things rather than love things whereas i think back in the day i think people love things more but anyway maybe that's not true i don't know i kind of understand where you're coming from because it feels like there's more of like a superficial value to things opposed to a general really loving fully affectionate over an album like i think back in the day and you know maybe i'm even dating myself who knows but I would say even like 10, 15 years ago, I could think to myself, if I loved an album, I will obsessively show it to my friends. Like I will spam it to them. I'll send them the album. And <laughs> if if they didn't listen to it, I'll send it to them again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just make sure that they get the point across. I'm like, no, 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 you should check this out. And then if they don't <laughs> like it, I just stop being friends with them. We're no longer friends. <laughs> gotta cut, cut, cut him out of my life. That's pretty severe. Mm. <laughs> okay, Ian, let's get into some fun questions. So for this first line of questions, I am going to say a thing and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Sonic Youth. Trash. <laughs> wow. Woo. Okay, then. Gymnasium. Echoey. Echoey, true. Okay. Huddle formation. Um, melodica. Okay. Ninja. High kicks. Encore song. Encore song. Um, Apollo Throwdown. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I could see that. 
What is the most unique place you've ever performed? It could be boat, helicopter, courthouse, retail store. <clears throat> some some mastermind, some PR person had the brainwave to have a band, well, have us play over a um, bowling alley in 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 where was it? I think it was Sydney or somewhere in Australia, anyway. So if you can imagine us playing down the end of a bowling alley with these balls coming towards us, it's the, the worst sound you ever heard, and all the getting strikes and stuff behind us. What it was, it was, what, what album was this during? It was some uh, I can't remember. It's probably about album three kind of time, but it was some bullshit promotiony thing thing. So <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. But, um, but yeah, that was probably the worst one. Were you guys wearing bowling shoes? Uh, good question. I'm not sure. I think we'd have, we'd have probably have had to walk down the lanes to get to the stage. Uh, yeah, no one was, it didn't work on any level, really. <laughs> <laughs> but you had your fans there, right? Like it was a show that. I don't, know, I don't even know if they were there, to be honest. I think it was probably just advertising people. I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit of a blur, but yeah. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Who has been your favorite band to go on tour with? Well, I mean, we supported the Flaming Lips um, quite a few times. That was always a good night. Deer Hoof, I think we played with, well, we played, they curated a festival and they asked us to play. So that wasn't directly playing with them, but we kind of were on their bill. That was a cool one because they're one of my faves. But, you know, coming back to Sonic Youth, we, we played with Sonic Youth as well um, a few times back in the day. If you'd have told the 16-year-old me that was going to happen, I wouldn't have believed you, you know, but... Um, that was that was about two thousand and come on, where was now eleven maybe I don't know yeah wow it was about three dates so we, we did one show it was us Flaming Lips and Sonic Youth in Detroit wow yeah yeah wow that must have been a wild wild show yeah it's good it's cool mm. and you just called Sonic Youth trash I oh, know I mean I I say. I'm saying that in a positive thing, as in, so I'm not saying rubbish. I'm saying um, it's a trashy sound. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. Interesting. Oh, maybe, maybe it's more, more of an American thing. If you're, yeah. <laughs> let's say they are. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just trash in a good way. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, a, maybe that's more of a British meaning. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they have a they have the kind of a trash aesthetic to them, don't they? You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Now I that's, understand. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> not not their not their rubbish. Yeah. Oh man, we were all on the edge of our seat. We were like, what? No, how can this be? Okay. So Ian, what is the criminally most underrated album of all time? <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, we can come back to it. Yeah, I might have to come back to it. Uh, the name's gone for a minute. What's yeah. your favorite lyric or verse that you've ever written? I did like a line on, um, by the way, Ninja does write, like, write some of the lyrics on the records as well. It's not all me, but um, I did like the line on I'll Be Without Sting. It says, uh, so, so, so take a to show something about to show every day what happened when a bunch, when some people got in the way. So it's kind of like about, you know, the power of getting in the way, you know, of, of kind of taking, of kind of messing with people and, and kind of, yeah. So take a, so, so take, so take a minute to show every day what happened when a bunch of people, some people got in the way or something. Anyway, what have you got a favorite line at all? Yeah, I would say interesting. 
I, I, I like that. I'm going to have to re-listen to that one. My favorite line. I know this is it's tough, actually. I, <laughs> I really love hay just in general. <laughs> I know like that's like the worst answer I could possibly give because that's that's pretty much the just about the whole song. Voice your choice. I I get emotional when I hear that song actually like sometimes I cry when I hear that song. <laughs> wow. uh, use your voice and make the choice. I yeah, that's like a really powerful one or uh, I'm going to say possibly my last one is going to be I also just really like kind of like the old school like 60s maybe even 70s vibe of doing it right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Another another classic. Just yeah. I think the the lyrics to "Ready to Go Steady" are quite nice because they're like a real. It's like a you know beginning, middle, end sort of old fashioned real building sort of pop song idea, isn't it? Yeah. I've got a feeling the feeling's new. No, it's a funny thing, <laughs> and it comes you. You may feel like a, a hurry, but it's overdue. You know. Yeah. It's kind of spelling yeah. out. It's like spelling out in the verse why she wants to go steady, you know, it's kind of... The, it, it really goes well for like a sub-pop song like you mentioned, and yeah, it, it fit great. If you could have any musician, past or present, cover a song of yours, which musician would it be and what song would it be? <laughs> I'd like to hear the Shangri-Las do um, By Nothing Day. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. I like that. Okay. I, I wonder what mine would be. I, I probably like the Beatles doing, I mean, any of your songs really. I, I don't know. Possibly like, I feel like Lady Flash by the Beatles would be pretty wild. <laughs> I love you, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Name a band or artist that you believe is the best live show you've ever seen. Ooh, I remember going to a blonde redhead gig and thinking that was pretty hot. But yeah, I remember seeing Beck at a really nice phase. That, that was really cool. You know, people really put on shows. You know, he was like, you know, doing the splits everywhere in a cowboy outfit and stuff. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, bands, shows can be good for so many reasons, can't they? But really, the best shows are where they have kind of every angle covered. Like, you know, I've just been watching that Summer of Soul um, film. Have you seen that? No, I've not. Summer yet. of Soul. You know that film? No. It's about it's about the Harlem Cultural Festival from 1969, and it's it's got uh, Sly Stone, who were like at the, at the perfect time, and it was like you watch it and you think, man, they're like the blueprint for any band, you know. In that, they, they looked perfect, and you know, they had an angle, they had ideas, they were funky, they really went for it. I think, yeah, I wish I, I think. Sly Stone would be one if I could, <laughs> could come yeah. And going back to the question of criminally most underrated album, do you have anything yet, Ian? I'm trying to, I can't think of the name. Um, the, we can, I, can't, I can't remember the name, sorry. That's okay. It's all good. We can skip that one. Yeah, we'll skip that one then. Who are some of your favorite newer artists right now? I'm often sort of underwhelmed by lots of the stuff I hear on British radio. I mean, there's a band called the Orioles. Uh, they're a British band. They're pretty cool. On a band called Palm. Have you ever heard of a band called Palm? Palm as in P-A-L. Oh, no. Sorry, I misunderstood. I think they have these like MIDI guitars, and they but they sample uh, steel drums. So it's a bit like they're playing steel drums, but on a guitar. It's really cool, and it's kind of quite sort of jerky and stuff. 
They're pretty cool. Little Sims, she's quite cool. That's a good few. Yeah, I sort of miss English radio. I, I always felt like Zane Lowe would have some good artists on his show. And uh, I remember BBC One, I, I felt like they were releasing great content for a while. And it has since like diluted out a little bit. It, it just hasn't been quite the same, at least for me. And mm-hmm. even Enemy back in the old days, like when you guys were popping off and Franz Ferdinand, We Are Scientists, Arctic Monkeys. I remember like the 2008, you know, 2006, seven, nine, whatever. Uh, just during those days, I felt like bands were just delivering just heavy hitter albums, hit after hit on that mm-hmm. album. And it made it so much fun. It was so captivating for me. Like I have always lived in the States. I haven't lived overseas before, but I obsessively checked Enemy's website to just see what the latest was and like <laughs> what content, you know, look like yeah. for that. And even mm. I, I believe you guys got like nominated for like a Mercury Prize Award or something like that. And I, I thought that that was really cool. You know, mm. there's just like, yeah, there's just kind of a lot that was happening back in those days that felt really special and just really gave music the soul and life of what it was then. I, I feel like I'm just sounding like an old guy that's just kind of giving all this new music crap, basically. <laughs> the music industry is in a funniest position at the minute. Um, you know, we, we in the Reading Festival, which is quite a big festival over here, you used to be, have it, it was it used to be kind of like an indie or a rock sort of lineup, but now it's all it's all mainstream, you know, it's all chart toppers now so it's, it's kind of like the mainstream is kind of won almost you know it's, yeah uh, it's kind of funny taking over the battle totally where do you see the band within the next 10 years can we still have the band going on for another decade <laughs> well you know i've never felt like it's run its course or anything I'm, I'm never struggling to come up with ideas it's i think there's a plenty of mileage when you start to think of the idea of genre hopping and stuff you know because no one really seems to be that interested in it I, I think there's a lot of mileage in it still I'm, I'm never kind of stuck I'm always overwhelmed with possibility and you know within the go team sound we could go in so many different directions you know it could become whatever more songwritery more choppy more experiment you know whatever more noisy more trumpety you know so um I don't know about 10 years but I certainly think there's more to be done yeah Okay, good. That <laughs> that's all I wanted to hear. There's more to be done. At least, at least there's that. You know, I always thought that the Go Team would be an incredible band to be uh, selected as part of Late Night Tales. Are you familiar with Late Night Tales? Oh yeah, the curate type thing. Yeah, yeah. So I actually interviewed Paul Glancy on my show. Uh, he's sort of the person running Late Night Tales and. I just always thought you guys would have like a really good mix on late night tales. Like, Oh yeah. Big killer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should pitch you guys. Okay. Ian. And my last and final question before I let you go here, who should I have on my show next? (laughs) Who should have on your show next? What music? Any, it it doesn't even have to be a musician. It could be a person doing documentaries on mummies. I'm I'm totally open to anything. I love um, Mike Lee. Do you know Mike Lee? Uh-uh. Who's that? The British director. Okay. Makes kind of like kitchen sink dramas in the UK, kind of really ultra-realistic, 
made some amazing films. You probably know some of his films. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to check out for him. Yeah. The drama of every day, you know. I'll check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ian, of the Go team for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right, brilliant. Thanks. The Go team are on most social media platforms and on all streaming services. Their new album, Get Up Sequences Part 1, is out now, and I can't stop listening to it. It is that good. Let me know what you think of it. Thank you to people of all races, ages, genders, and galaxies for tuning in. My name is James Richard Lane. If you have any questions, feedback, or recommendations of who I should have on my show next, I'm available on Instagram at James Richard Lane or Twitter, James Lane, Lane with two E's. Have a great week. And as always, please support your local animal shelter. Goodbye.